A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away, the Empire is in total control of the galaxy. But a small rebel force headed by Princess Leia is about to land a potentially fatal blow to their plans. Meanwhile, on the desert planet of Tatooine, a young farmhand by the name of Luke Skywalker is about to meet two droids who will change his life forever. It's Star Wars week, it's original trilogy time, this is episode 4, A New Hope. Welcome to Star Wars Week. We finally hit original trilogy. As I've said before, the greatest trilogy ever set to film. This is episode four. This is A New Hope. Lord of the Rings, people. <laughs> you deluded oh, fools. That's funny. Thank Lord of the Rings know. is great. Don't get us wrong. I'll but slap it's, you. It's not the most important movie trilogy in cinema history. Which is Star Wars. Yes. And we start off with arguably... To some, the most important movie that has ever been made. It's Star Wars. Otherwise known, just that Star Wars to some people. To, to old to people. And, <laughs> to noobs. But to you and me, Star Wars, A New Hope. A New Hope, episode four. four. The first one. <laughs> In a timeline that makes no sense, where the first one's the fourth one, the newest one's the seventh. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> You'll catch up soon enough. Uh, um, I really hope they do a prequel prequel trilogy so that we get the first one is the fourth one and the newest one is the minus third one. I was going to say, what would that be? <laughs> the minus third. Episode minus three. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that'd be marvellous, wouldn't it? Indeed it would, Michael. Indeed it would. Um, yes, a very important film to a lot of people. It's so important that it, it changed the face of cinema going history. Pretty much forever. I mean, you could argue that Jaws did it first as being the first big blockbuster movie. Star Wars is the one that spread like wildfire. The one of the first movies to ever truly benefit from a huge merchandising budget. One of the first movies to really benefit from dedicated fandom. Again, you could argue that Star Trek got there first, but that was TV, damn it, not movies. And a film that no one saw coming, including the studio. Yeah. They thought this was a kid's movie. Most of the crew that worked on it thought it was just a dumb little kids movie. Most, yeah, most of the cast thought, oh, it's just a bit of harmless fun. Just a kids movie. Not the most important trilogy no. of all time. No one could have seen that coming, but George Lucas did. George Lucas knew what he was onto when he wrote his 12-page, 12-page, his 12-section Star Wars saga. Um, he picked this one because it was the most complete story, the one that has an actual definitive end, which is why Star Wars Episode Four is the only one you could watch by itself, True. kind of. Yeah. It has an ending. You know, I mean, it's open-ended, but it's it's self-contained. Because yeah. that was what it was meant to be. If it failed, this would have just been the only Star Wars movie. But it didn't, of course. George Lucas managed to sell the film, basically, by saying, OK, you can cut my pay, whatever. I get merchandising rights. Because they thought there was going to be no merchandising rights. It wasn't a thing back in the day. And that's why George Lucas is incredibly rich. Yeah, he's an incredibly smart man, despite every, his terrible script writing Up ideas. until Disney brought them, every time you brought something related to Star Wars, it went back to George Lucas. Yep. It didn't go back to LucasArts, it went back to the man himself. 
Say what you will about George Lucas, but he's a canny bugger. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, some people just got blindsided by this movie that everyone thought would be a little fun for the kids. That yeah. they had to force into cinemas, basically, on the back end of a different movie. Um, but then it spread. It Word of mouth got out. The critics like had their say. Star Wars was an impressive space opera. It was the beginning of this, this huge fan base the reason why we're doing a week's worth of devoted content to it is because of this movie let's face it the reason we're doing podcasts at all can basically be traced back to this as much as all heavy metal can be traced back to Led Zeppelin all true nerd fandom even including up to the Marvel movies the Lord of the Rings movies etc 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 can all be drawn back to this one little movie that thanks to George Lucas basically the only reason George Lucas made a good movie here because he's a student of the game this is essentially a media um, assignment that got ahead of hand basically yeah (laughs) because if you've watched any of the documentaries you'll realise that this is um, um, based heavily on the works of oh my god I forgot his name Um, Arg well done that's going to wind me up I'm going to look that up on my phone in a second (laughs) Joseph Campbell and the hero's journey which basically boils down all mythology to basically the Star Wars story yeah underprivileged um, um, uh, protagonist meets wonderful and colourful characters an absolute oppressive evil that is evil and there's no shade of grey they are evil undeniably evil and they rise to the occasion and win the day that's a very generic story but this is the absolute best telling of that Yeah, because George Lucas was described by Joseph Campbell who actually taught George Lucas as the best student he ever had and this is just this is why it works so well this is why you have so many iconic characters chief among which of course He's a protagonist, Mr. Luke Skywalker. Yeah, Mark Hamill. Mark Hamill. Oh, you wonderful human being. Yeah. Um, the the can we can we talk like the point we've written down is that he's cinema's truest hero. He he's the a total embodiment of good. He may not always show it, but he is the total embodiment of good. He is he is the light side of the force. That's what he is. You see him as quite a bratty, arrogant child to begin with, but even by the end of just Star Wars, and then as by the end of the trilogy as a whole, he's grown. He becomes a hero. He is the hero of the Rebel Alliance. He is. This is, as I said, this is... Because George Lucas was making all of his characters archetypes, basically. That's why he's the truest character, because he's the most fundamentally good person in the universe. He always has good intentions. He's always trying to help. He's a little bit whiny when we meet him, but who isn't at that age? Um, and was he, he's not my favourite character, but he's not meant to be. He's more of a an avatar. He's basically meant to be Link from The Legend of Zelda. Yeah. Yes, he has dialogue on like Link, but you're still meant to paint yourself onto him, which is what all action stars are meant to be. They're meant to be, by design, a tad bland. That's not meant to be a negative thing. That's a way to help people get in touch with things. This is the problem with... Part of the problem with the prequel trilogy is you don't really have that blank slate on which to draw on. Because we know the character of Obi-Wan as a side character, as a a fleshed-out character before we meet him, as kind of the protagonist of the the prequel trilogy, it's much easier to draw yourself onto Luke. And that's why he's just a perfect... And played perfectly well by Mark Hamill as well. He's the reason why everybody wanted to be a Jedi when this came out. Everyone Mm -hmm. wanted to be Luke Skywalker. Because he was cool. He was... the. He wasn't the last. He was the new hope. He was the newest of these. This order of space knights. He no, what a sentence. 
<laughs> it's a bit of a weird sentence to say. They are ladies, basically isn't? space knights slash ninjas. Yeah, they are. Yeah. Um, yeah, just a fantastic creation. But, as I said, he's not my favourite character. No. But this is, of course, the movie where we get introduced to pretty much everyone's favourite characters. You know, everyone who ever watched Star Wars, the majority of their favourite characters will come from the original trilogy. Yes. Including my second favourite character. Third, nah, R2-D2. Of the course, he's in the prequel trilogy, but we've kind of saved him and 3PO yeah. for now. Because, as you said, as we reach the end of the arc... And episode three, where C-3PO closes us out, at least in terms of dialogue, we open this movie with C-3PO and R2-D2 running away from an Imperial attack. And we meet these two droids who very much hate each other, which is quite funny. Um, they're actually drawn from a movie. I can't remember what it was called. It was a Japanese movie that George Lucas is a big fan of. That Basically, it's about a, like a, a royal fight between two warring royal families. But... I don't know if it's centred on them or if they're like a big part. There's basically these two Japanese peasants that just kind of get bowled up in the whole situation. They're the comic relief to some extent, but they're also very endearing because they do try and help whatever they can and stuff. So they're very much based on... You know, R2-D2 and C-3PO are very much based on them. Um, C-3PO first. I recently rewatched the original trilogy with my girlfriend. And she could not stop pointing out how much of a dick C-3PO is. Oh, yeah, yeah. Not helped by the fact that I know the guy who plays him, Anthony Daniels, is a dick. <laughs> a colossal dick of colossal proportions. Um, and having rewatched really it, I was like, I've kind of forgotten just how much of a dick C3PO is. I mean, he has his moments, of course, but he's more of a hindrance most of the time and just oh. chastising poor little R2. Um, oh, dick droid. Dick droid. Um, but, okay, that's C3PO, but then we get R2D2, the little trash can that could. The character who says nothing in the movie and possibly emotes the most. Exactly. He has got a single line of dialogue outside of Screech and Wales, and he's still... Everyone adores R2. I don't know anyone that hates or even has a mild dislike of R2-D2. Everyone adores R2-D2. Like I said, he's, he's just got an iconic look, whereas C-3PO is very much humanoid. R2-D2 is a trash can with an extra leg. Like, that's what yeah. he is. Well, with three extra legs, because trash cans don't have legs, but you get what I'm coming but from. But even say that, just because... I know we just thrown C-3PO under the bus, but considering neither of them can emote, because they're both just still faces... They have all the character in the world. You paint because you have because that is taken away from you. The writing has to be better because you have to paint all of your emotions onto them. Just with you know their sound editing and you know C three PO can do a bit of posturing. R two D two can't even do that. It's all just down to head tilts and <laughs> woo. By the way, the bloke inside him, Kenny Baker, cool guy who I've met. You've met Kenny you Baker, haven't. which is he's a cool dude. And he shook my hand, <laughs> and I heard a rumor that to make him basically George Lucas wanted him to be happy all the time. So they put pictures of naked women inside the r 2 helmet, so as he turned, he would just get a different pair of tits. I didn't get to ask him this, unfortunately, because it was just a photo off. I would have loved to have asked Kenny Baker. Little old Kenny Baker, were you looking at tits inside r 2 Um Now, because we, Star Wars knowledge tends to just pour out of me, just a quick little tidbit of why R2-D2 is awesome. R2-D2 saves somebody's life in every single movie. He does. Can you name every one of them? Okay. Uh, in episode one, it would be Anakin. Because he closes the hood of the uh, new Starfighter. And he also saves everybody on um, Queen of Arla's ship by fixing the shield. And that's where he becomes famous in the first place. In episode two, uh, does he save Padme? Yes. He saves from the lava being poured on her in the droid uh, factory. Yeah, because he starts flying around, isn't it? Yes. And he never, well, used, <laughs> never uses that again. Didn't need to. <laughs> episode three. Uh, Obi-Wan. He saves Obi-Wan. 
Um, he saves Anakin because he sends the elevator up at the right time. Oh, I thought that was Obi Wan. Get other things. Um, oh, okay. He also sets all the droids on fire. Oh, and he also cuts all, you know, goes crazy when Grievous captures him. Oh, there's that. That was, was just hysterical. <laughs> <laughs> Panic mode. Okay, don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> all my tools. Um, new ex- hope. New hope, Luke. Is it Luke? Uh, I just forgot what the new hope one is. Um, two seconds. He's, no, he, he has- saves. He saves Luke, Han, and Chewie. Not Chewie. Luke, Han, and Obi Wan from being crushed in the trash compactor. Yes, he does. He does, and he also technically has the star. He has the Death Star plan, so he saves a lot of people. Yeah, yep. he saves the entire galaxy. Empire Strikes Back. Uh, this one was a tricky one that I keep forgetting, but yeah. I remembered now. Let me say, is it Lando? Um, yes, Lando's part of the people he saves. He turns on the hyperdrive that wasn't work- that was deactivated on the um, Millennium Falcon, so ah. they can escape the Tie Fighters. And in Jedi. I can't, I can't he saves everyone it. on the barge because he has the lightsaber that he shoots to Luke to oh save Luke yeah okay fair so, so technically, to, technically he saves Han in that one yeah, as well yeah. R2-D2 saves everybody yeah. and that's why he's a boss <laughs> um, moving on of course these kind of you, you spend I was totally time. unprepared for that by the way I didn't know any of that and he's just like you, oh Star Wars knowledge <laughs> yay so you spend a, a, quite a bit of time with these um, people um, you then of course get to well Leia's actually in the start what am I on about you also have Princess Leia, one of the best female characters in all what of the cinema. One of two female characters in all of Star Wars. I was going to draw attention away from that, Mike, because you mentioned that before, but yes. Other than the only other woman... There's two other women in the original Star Wars trilogy. One is Aunt Beru, and the other one is... Oh, God. Um, Come on, Michael. I know her name. She's in, char- she's, she's in episode six. She's telling many both of them's died. And her name is... No, it's gone. Mon Mothra. Damn it. Dumbass. Um, yeah, Leia. Princess Leia Organa um, of Alderaan, previously of Alderaan. <laughs> they, were floaty, <laughs> they were floaty space rocks. Uh, yeah. No, this no space real estate. I think she gets better in the in the two movies after this. We yes. see the spark of like, yes, she's a princess, but she's not like your normal princesses. She does not take orders. She's forthright. She does what she wants. She saves everybody in the prison there. Well, she shoots the thing yeah. to go into the trap. She saves what she likes as well. Like, she doesn't know that Luke's inside that Stormtrooper helmet. She goes, you're a bit short, aren't you? Like, screw <laughs> you, lady. Shut day, you bitch. <laughs> oh, wait, the helmet. <laughs> yeah. She's just an awesome... awesome. Uh, again, you'd kind of hope there was more people in the... More women in the original trilogy, but the one we got, pretty amazing. Pretty kick-ass. Really was. Um, now, um, of course, then there's everyone's... Favorite character from the original trilogy, yeah. not mine or yours. As much as it, but no, but as much as everybody wanted to be a Jedi, there was the typical cool guy. You were meant to want to be Luke Skywalker, a little bit if you did, yeah. But as you go into teenage years, you really wanted to be Han Solo. You did. You wanted to be the smooth-talking, womanizing, quick-draw badass that Harrison Ford <sighs> made him to be. But oh yeah, just quickly by the way, um, Carrie Fisher as Leia. Yes. Yes. Because I forgot to mention who played Leia, which is well done, Carrie Fisher. Big thumbs up for you. Um, yeah, Harrison Ford back in his days when he was motivated to make movies yeah. <laughs> and actually, you know, turn up for things, turns in one of the best performances. Again, all three of the people we've just mentioned, these are all iconic characters, but Han Solo's just the one you're a little bit charmed by. Yeah, he's a scoundrel. He's a <laughs> oh god, what's we don't need to quote Empire yet. looking nerf herder. Yeah, yeah. Oh, scoundrel, am I? Like, in that bit where he's... Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. And then he gets clock-blocked by uh, Dick Droid. So oh, that's, good. that's another thing that's like, oh, C-3PO, you cock-blocker. 
<laughs> we're not talking about them, we're talking about Han Solo. We're talking about Han Solo and why he shot first. That's always annoyed me why people are so concerned whether he shot first. I know, because he still shot back. He still, he's still dead. He still killed you know Greedo, what? like, you know. But considering how small a part that is, I've never understood why it's become such a big part. I think it's because the 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 ADing of the footage is just so horrible. Like, the whole, like, it does look like he's just Jerk. broken his neck. Yeah. Whereas you, you watch the original theatrical one, it's just like, yeah, I bet you have. Cloud of smoke, Greedo's dead. Awesome. Yeah. Like, I, you know that, that Solo's just straight shot that alien in the dick. But we're going to glaze over that. Um, yeah, it's a one that, again, got better with every with every retelling. Um, and, of course, we get Chewbacca. Yay! The other character has no lines but emotes surprisingly well. You know what I mean? But he's just a walking carpet, so, you know. He's just a walking carpet, but everyone loves Chewbacca. He's just adorable. He's a, he's a walking carpet monster. Which is he's your like. dog. He's actually based on George Lucas' he, dog. He's a dog. So, <laughs> he's a dog. And I hate dogs, but I like Chewbacca. He's cool. Um, this is the thing about the original. Because everyone's so opinionated on the prequel trilogy, when you get to the original trilogy, it's just like, everything is good. <laughs> yeah, it is. Annoyingly so. Sadly, it is, yeah. Everything's just fantastic. When you consider, though, at this point, that Hamill and Fisher were probably mostly unknown. Mm-hmm. No, no, they were completely unknown. Completely unknown. What about Ford? Was Ford, Ford had been in American Graffiti, but that was it. That was it. And even then, he wasn't the, like a main star in American. And Graffiti. this is a movie that put put them against such high grade actors as Alec Guinness. Yeah. And uh, oh, what's his name? Who plays Grandma Tarkin? Uh, oh, well, um, Peter Cushing. Peter Cushing, James Earl Jones voicing Darth Vader. But here's the other thing: they were actually. You know, they had serious competition for the roles. Of course, they wanted Burt Reynolds to be Han Solo. They wanted Jodie Foster to be uh, Princess Leia. That would have been a totally different movie. Who did they want for Luke Skywalker? There was somebody where you were like, one of the Baldwins, I can't remember. But yeah, um, had to get, and George Lucas had to fight to, to keep them, as he did with a lot of things on this movie. But he made the right call in every single... Oh, God, yeah. In all three of them. Absolute perfect casting. I can't imagine anybody else playing any of them um, of course we do have Obi-Wan Kenobi who we've talked about um, extensively in the prequel trilogy as you McGregor he's kind of the protagonist but now he's casting the more familiar role of the wizened old uh, mentor played by Alec Guinness fantastic turn I know as right. much as I am full of praise for you McGregor's appearance in episode 3 this is a definitive Obi-Wan Kenobi this is Obi-Wan this is Ben Kenobi as you remember him yeah, I all the lines he gets to say he just he just exudes Wisdom, yeah, almost effortlessly. It's, you the, know? it's the confidence as well, as yeah. they, like I said in the last episode, that when they make the way to Mos Eisley, it's the very gentle Jedi mind trick. I love that. He's so mystical. Yeah, they nailed like the mystery of him that you don't. Okay, now we know because we've seen the prequel tree, we know a lot more about him. But when you first saw this movie, when you have no extensive knowledge of the Jedi, he's just a magician. Yeah, he is. I love my favorite line of dialogue. Will forever and always will always be will be. Your father's lightsaber that I took from his burning corpse. <laughs> yeah, is it? What is it? Uh, a more elegant weapon for a more, more civilized, civilized age. age. Because then it's reflected in the prequel trilogy where he's got a blaster and it says, "So uncivilized, civilized like beautiful." I know. And that's what Alec Guinness is. Alec Guinness is memory and fondness, and that sounds stupid to say out loud. But he is. Obi-Wan is your granddad. He's your, he, he is. He's full of tricks that, you know, you will come to learn in time. And just to play on the granddad one, this is going to be a bit of a weird turn that I've realised. He also, his death serves a point. It's a poignant moment in the in the series that, you know, the wise old grand Jedi now has to go away. But 
you know, if you strike me down, I should become more powerful than you could possibly imagine. It's a great line. It tells you that it puts an element of danger into the movie that kind of hadn't been... Okay, they blew up a planet. <laughs> but that was... They probably blown up all the around. R.I.P. in peace, Alderaan. If that had been done now with today's technology, you would have seen it from Alderaan's perspective, which would have been more terrifying. Yeah. Whereas on there, it is just a blue ball that goes... True. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. Well done, Alec Guinness. That's another thumbs up for you. Yeah. And now we get talk about Darth Vader now. Finally. Oh, I'm so happy because he's not Hayden. <laughs> <laughs> no, we, now he's David Prowse, the world's most tallest man from Bristol. Uh, and, of course, voiced by the legendary James Earl Jones. Is he the greatest movie villain of all time, Michael? Of course he is. He's um, Darth Vader. He he's is. the archetypal evil git. He is, but, again, having re-watched it, because a lot of villains these days go for over-the-top. Darth Vader is very subdued. He is reserved because he knows how powerful he is. The galaxy knows how powerful he is. But it's almost like like there's a hint of regret to him. Not remorse, at least not this early on. Maybe in Jedi there is, but... You do wonder as you're watching those like earlier scenes, though, whether he... Like, when he talks to, to Leia, obviously, by this point, we didn't know, like, that he, that he was talking to his daughter. Because neither did George Lucas. Yeah. To be fair, yeah. he made that stuff up on the fly when he got the Jedi. Yeah. Um, but hence the kisses. Yeah. Ugh. Let's, let's, let's not, not focus on that. No. But, but that's... That just... If you take the greater knowledge of Star Wars into context... And how calm and collected Vader is, kidnapping and imprisoning his own daughter. Mm-hmm. In and order, torturing her. And torturing her in order to draw out his previous master so he can finally kill him. This guy does it with just. Without breaking. Well, not that you could see if he broke a yeah. sweat. But without breaking a sweat. No. Without, without you know, without missing a it just, strained it, breath. It's just. He never looks in trouble. He always looks in control. Even when he's blasted off at the end, he doesn't look in trouble. Like, you think he's going to be okay. He's shouting about orders, but that's only because he can. Yeah. Like, it's like, you'll find them, I want them alive. It's not a case of, I will find you! I will find them! Like, I don't know why... This will happen. don't know why I went now. to Zod for that I one. I know. Um, this will happen, this will yeah. happen now, yeah. or I shall strangle you with my powers. Yeah, it's like, you get one chance, don't fail mm, me again. I find your lack of faith disturbing. <laughs> so many good lines in this, in this movie. Uh, I just adore him. Um... And, and that's the thing. again, he gets better in Empire Strikes Back, but in here he's just the absolute embodiment of evil power. There is absolutely nothing that this man won't do, and there is absolutely nothing that this man can't do. He's unstoppable evil, and that's terrifying. Again, as a kid, if you're pitching this as a kid's movie, which is how you're meant to watch them, he's perfect for a kid. You don't need to go into the backstory. You know he's evil because you look at him and he has a freaking Nazi hat on. <laughs> <laughs> Which is just fantastic. Now, just quickly, because we didn't actually mention it when we mentioned Han and Chewie, the Millennium Falcon. Yay. Best starship of all time. The most iconic, certainly. I think it's the best one. It's the one you've most wanted to own. True. I am partial to the X-Wings. I do like the X-Wings. Yeah, but, you know... If I want, if I'm going to buy a Lego set, I'm going to buy the Millennium Falcon. I mean, you don't when you the get price it on, tag, but you buy it. When anyway. you get it in Rogue Squadron, it's your best day because oh, that yeah, ship yeah. could kick all kinds of ass. You had the auto turret; they would just take care of everything for you. <laughs> oh, I love that ship. Um, well, that's basically all the characters because there's not much to say about the story. No, it is. It is what it is. It's Star Wars. It's it, the original. 
you know, you know, oh, what am I trying to say? It's the archetype story that we're in Avril's front. There's yeah. not a lot of nuance to it. There's nuanced characters, but the story's pretty, pretty simple. I mean, should we talk about it as composition of cinema, like you said earlier, how it is just how to make a movie, lesson one? Essentially a blueprint, yeah. It's a, it's a media studies project that got out of hand because yeah. they're doing it so by the book, but because no one had done it by the book, basically because they were writing the book as they went, it's not, it doesn't feel overplayed, it doesn't feel cliche, it's just done so well. And I don't think it's been, especially this basic a story has not been done better since. No. And there is some beautiful moments. Like like we said, that you have the, the symmetry from the prequel trilogy now of looking upon the binary sons of Tatooine. Mm-hmm. That shot is beautiful and iconic. Going to see the homestead in flames and... And the skeletons. The skeletons. We've already discussed the skeletons. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just like, oh well. And how Luke just kind of gets over the fact that he's basically <laughs> his step parents are dead. Yeah. In about ten minutes. Because he knows he's going to go off into space. Yeah. But then, like, you know, that's no moon. As as you get closer. That's to no the, moon. As you get closer to the Death Star, and you see how huge it is, and the sense of scale. We could go on for hours about little iconic moments like this. The first time you see a lightsaber get turned on on Tatooine, it's beautiful. Everything about this movie is beautiful. It's like I said, it's simplistic perfection, almost boring to how perfect it is. We haven't even talked about the Death Star. No, we haven't. How awesome that thing is! I mean, it's a, a little fragile, but <laughs> <laughs> we're going to make the most fortified, most heavily defensive thing of all time. That's going to have one major weakness <laughs> built right on the outside. You're going to put like a wooden board over it or something like it's Family Guy <laughs> yeah. by the way go and watch the Family Guy specials on Star Wars all three of them are fantastic if you want to see what, what true love of Star Wars looks like Blue Harvest unfortunately my girlfriend watched the Family Guy episodes first Ah, so she kept pointing out oh yeah that happens in Family Guy I was like no forget those you watch them in the wrong order um, okay well we've, we can at least talk in depth about the, the final attack on the Death Star Battle of Yavin Yes, arguably the best space battle in all of Star Wars, I'd say. Again, it's because it's so archetypal, because it raises the tensions in in the correct way. There's nothing nothing to say that it does interesting or right, because it does it correctly. I can only imagine how the 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 eyes of 1977 kids thought about seeing this, because this was unprecedented. Obviously, we've seen the slightly remastered versions. We have seen the originals, but we, we're more used to seeing on TV and on their DVDs the remastered version, which I'm sure look a tad better. But still, to see dogfights between spaceships would have seemed like, a, like, oh, that's something that happened in 10 years' time. And then all of a sudden, there it is. And it's not like, you know, not to bad of claymation, but it's not, like, very rigid. There's fluidness. There. Yeah. And when you see how they did it in the documentaries, where the camera was making the movement, basically, they would just have a still thing and program the camera to do the swooshes, it just becomes even more beautiful. And it's just action-packed. And, and again, Power Rangers escalation. Yes, they're dealing fine with all the individual ships, but then they're going to go into the trench. Then the trench gets them. <coughs> then Darth Vader comes, and then... You know, you think, oh, it's not going to end well. And again, you know it's going to end well. It's a kid's movie. Yeah. But then you get the trench run and the wonderful practicality of that set. You've seen the picture of... Uh, we've all seen the picture. Uh, the giant piece of the... Of yeah, the, um... of the actual trench. Yeah. What they filmed on. 
A wonderful piece of practical filmmaking that would seem impossible by those standards, and today still holds up as one of the best, one of the best moments where the stakes are high and the pressure's on. That's the only get sort of given variations of a theme mm-hmm. as cinema moves forward. Just an absolute. Now, something we haven't mentioned up to this point, something that really does make this all the better. John Williams' score. Oh, we can finally talk about it. Talk about John Williams. Good Lord. Ah. So many iconic songs have just gone on to have life beyond this movie. There's one we can't mention because he didn't actually premiere the Imperial March until episode five. Don't you hear it when Darth Vader walks through the door? You don't. The Imperial March made its appearance in The Empire Strikes Back. Okay, that's done correctly. Um... But yeah, he's he's as they're flying through the trench, just masterful. And right, let's just cut to the chase. Luke's going down. All hopes ride on Luke. Vader's coming. You're all tense. You've seen it a thousand times, but you're all tense. Oh my god, he's going to shoot him, and then out of the sun comes the Millennium Falcon. Yeah, I'm ghost. First of all. You know what I'm about to say. Yeah. So he shoots the one TIE fighter <laughs> and that blows up. And the second one just decides, I'm just going to pull right. <laughs> oh no! I'm just going to play myself, despite the fact I've not been shot, into the wall. Because that's a quicker way to die, apparently. Just go bang! That knocks our favour off. Of course he's a penny. <laughs> and then we get the, let's blow this thing and go home. Yeah. Use the force. Uh, all those iconic things and then you put the use the force may the force be with you the origination of those phrases it floods back it's, it's all here and it's just and again you blow it up you get your medal scene Arthur Ninja gets wrecked you're all sad then he's okay and dancing yeah. you're all good yeah. Chewbacca doesn't get a medal racism exists in space <laughs> <laughs> and that concludes episode 4 no can I speak first go on, conclusion? Go, on go on I have to say now it's clear that my love for this movie is there and it is one of the greatest movies of all time. But I think it's not... Unlike it's up the other two movies, I don't think it holds up as well to repeat viewing. Because it is... Just to put it in perspective, it is the 45-minute mark when you first meet Han Solo. It is. It does chug along at a bit of a slow pace if you've seen it before. Don't think you need Luke until, like, the 20-minute mark. If, probably something like that. If you've seen it... When you've seen it for the first time... It is still a great movie on repeat watching. Please don't misconstrue what I'm saying here. But for that reason, both of its sequels and Revenge of the Sith, for me, are better movies. Marginally. I'm not saying by a lot, but that said, you have to owe everything that you like about modern pop pop culture society, especially when it relates to films, to this movie. I cannot overstate how important this movie is. Oh, me now? Yes, you now. Okay. I thought you were going uh, to gush a little bit more. No, I think I've gushed enough. Okay, then. Star Wars, and I will only call it Star Wars because this is that's what it is. It, it's Star Wars. It's the origination of this entire phenomenon that exists up until this day. It's the entire reason why I undoubtedly wholeheartedly believe that The Force Awakens will possibly be the biggest blockbuster hit Ever. Apparently, it's already in the top 20 highest grossing movies of all time on pre-orders alone. Good Lord. Mm. That's staggering. The, that being a thing you owe to this movie. Mm-hmm. Because much like much like The Force Awakens is going to start a new chapter for, for this generation and be the first of its trilogy, 
Star Wars was the chance. It was the chance to tell the the best version of the same story in space. And yes. and like like you say, misconstrued as a children's film, beloved by people of all ages. It's it's it is pop culture. It's the most iconic thing of all time. Everything you know about any certain movie trope will always stem back to Star Wars. That's kind of a bold claim, considering that how long cinema has been going on for. But and to say it was perfected by a space opera movie in uh-huh. 1977, but I'm willing to go out on a limb and say yes, that's the case. Well, that's the thing. It is that because George Lucas was so studious over this and took so long to build this episode to make it basically a myth, a legend almost of the kind of like you know Hercules and Greek gods and and all that type of mythology. He boiled that down to its essence and then updated it to the future. That's all he did. And, you know, I say that's all he did. There was a <laughs> lot of research that went into this and a lot of little things that even probably even above your and my head that were going on in the surface. And that's why I think it resonates with so many people. I've had so many people say, oh, Star Wars is a nerdy thing. Or, oh, I ain't a sci-fi. Da, 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 da. My DVDs. My magical DVDs, my original trilogy box set. Yes, it's the remastered version, but I digress. Is undefeated in turning people onto Star Wars. And I'm talking, I've had those DVDs for 10 years now. And they have yet to fail me. They have been to some of the most cynical people you've ever met that said, I will never like Star Wars. And they are Star Wars fans all. Because... This movie got so many things so very, very right. And again, you cannot overstate just how important this movie is. And I will go on record saying it is the most important movie ever made. Yep, easily. In, especially if, now, if you're into real, true drama, you might say it's Citizen Kane. And there are arguments you can make for other movies being better. But importance, I think, it's Star Wars. Importance and enjoyable. Mm-hmm. This, this was... Much like Jaws before it, this was the pop culture, you know, popcorn chewing phenomenon. It was a blockbuster. It defined what we know today. There wouldn't be an Avatar without Star Wars. There wouldn't be a Titanic without Star Wars. There wouldn't be any of these movies that you know to be successful without Star Wars. We were watching shit like Atonement all the time. We're ending on that line. I'm sorry, we can't we can't go any further where we've just slagged off atonement in a Star Wars movie. <laughs> I just couldn't think of anything more dreary. Oh god. So plug, Darren. Okay, you can find me um, on Twitter at the Guthridge. You can also go to my website, www.theguthridge.co.uk. There's going to be Star Wars things on there. I don't know what, but they will be on there <laughs> this weekend. TBC. TBC. TFA. Force Awakens. Oh yes, oh, that little thing. That little thing that's, that's coming happened. up in a few days' time. <laughs> oh good lord, that's ah. out, that's out in like like three days. Ah. Oh god, that's ah. exciting now. Um, so today on our YouTube channel, you can go and watch the top ten characters from Star Wars. We mentioned about seven of them here. <laughs> we have. You'll find a staggering amount of them from the original trilogy. Um, and of course, if you haven't seen yesterday's stuff. Was our review of Avengers of the Sith. Our video from yesterday will be the top ten battles in Star Wars. Again, one of the ones we've talked about here may be featured on that list. You never know. And, of course, you can find us at foulentertainment.com and pretty much any website going. You can find us at the username foulentertainment.com.
That's Foul ENT. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, Star Wars Week continues tomorrow with... The greatest movie of all time. I'm glad you said it. Asterix. going to say... Oh, good Lord. Well, you all know what my favourite movie is. Shut up. But objectively speaking, the greatest movie of all time, objectively speaking. Asterix. We'll see you then. Bye-bye.